Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Aaron. Let's go. Let's go to someplace. Georgia. Oh, Georgia. Georgia. Oh. Yeah, in the South. Georgia. Okay. Um, actually, uh, well, I have it written down here. 1951, Georgia. 1951, Georgia. You weren't even alive yet. I was not alive yet. We are this week doing The Three Faces of Eve, 1957 film. This film is inspired by an actual case. Uh, the film's thoughtful depiction of associative identity disorder, also known as multiple personalities, helped destigmatize mental illness in the 50s. Okay, maybe a little bit, but there was still a whole lot of, I mean, there still is about mental illness, so imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, like, watching this movie, I'm just like, man, all of these people in history and stuff who are wiling out, like, think of how many people that were like, what? And they're like, no, they were... Like, they had mental illness. Yeah. Like, Van Gogh, he had mental illness. Yeah. And everybody knows Van Gogh had mental illness because he cut off his ear. Think about all the people who is just like, ah. Oh, he was just um, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no, that motherfucker was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I don't mean when in this podcast when I be like, that motherfucker was crazy or crazy. I am not making light of it. I'm merely dealing with it and using humor. As we do. Yes. That's the only way we know how to deal with trauma. Exactly. It's just, you tell me something that scares the bejesus out of me, my first reaction is to laugh for a full five minutes. Yes, for a very long time. Yes. It's uncontrollable because I'm just like, this is hilarious to me because that's my sense of humor. Anyway. Even though it might not be hilarious to us. No, but to me, the fact that it's like, well, I, you know, the world is funny. You can look at it as the world's horrible. I look at it as, ain't that some shit? That's hilarious. <laughs> okay, the particulars, please. All right, so The Three Faces of Eve, it premiered in Augusta, Georgia on September 18th, 1957. It was... Directed and written by by Nunnally, Nunnally, maybe it's Nunnally Johnson. He wrote and adapted The Grapes of Wrath and oh. Life Begins at 8.30 and some other films. But I only wrote down Life, Life Begins at 8.30 because I, I thought that it said Life Begins at 38. And I, got, <laughs> I got really excited. I'm like, what's this movie about? Life begins at 38. And then I started writing it down. And I'm like, life begins at 8.30. Damn it, dyslexia. Exactly. So Sometimes it's it's it, it treats you well. Sometimes it just deflates you. Yeah, because I was like, whoa. I am five minutes into this research and I have figured out the movie for next week. We are watching Life Begins at 38. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that movie doesn't exist. Exactly. <laughs> Not until you make it. Yeah. <laughs> um, he also wrote, produced, and directed The Man in the Gray Flannel Suit, 
and he wrote the world of Henry Orient, which nerd alert was based on a novel written by his daughter. Whoa. I'm looking in my notes. His daughter, Nora Johnson, who was a novelist. Huh? And I did not write this down very well. He also wrote the dirty dozen. Oh, mm-hmm. it's okay. based on the book. Oh, so I said that he wrote and directed this movie, right? He yes. Both. It's based on the book, the three faces of Eve, a case of multiple personality by Corbett, Corbett, Corbett H. Thigpen and Hervey M. McCleckley. Now Thigpen and McCleckley are both American psychiatrists. Um, McCleckley was a pioneer of psychopathy and he also wrote the mask of sanity in 1941 and then Ooh. i guess i guess it wasn't until like 1941 that people were like hey like these really horrible things that people do let's look at these people oh weird there's like a lot going on with the mind mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's 1941 which mm-hmm. is a long time for us, but in the history of mankind. Yeah. It's like nobody kind of caught on. I guess it was just kind of like, that motherfucker crazy. <laughs> and you just went about your day, tried to tried to sidestep them. I ain't fooling with Ned. That motherfucker crazy. Mm-hmm. It was narrated by Alistair Cook. He's a journalist and TV personality and radio broadcaster. And he was the host of Masterpiece Theater from 1971 to 1992. Yes. The music is by Robert Emmett Dolan. He did the music for the major and the minor holiday in Going My Way and White Christmas. I'm still not back to my original White Christmas, White Christmasness. Okay. Well, it's pretty white, so. The DP is Stanley Cortez. He was he also shot the Magnificent Ambersons, the Orson Welles film. Abbott and Costello meet Captain Kidd and the Graduate, <laughs> among others. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the Graduate. Sorry, the Candidate. Oh, oh there we go. Man, reading. Eh, dyslexia. It was edited by Marjorie Flower. Nerd alert. Also, a da- another daughter of Natalie Johnson, Nanali Johnson. Oh. So his daughter edited this. She also edited Mr. Peabody and the Mermaid and Elmer Gantry. And she got an Oscar nomination for editing Dr. Doolittle. The, like the oh. 1960s one. Not the Eddie Murphy one. No, the... uh, The one with Rex Harrison. Yeah, I guess so. Mm -hmm. Starring. Now, is it Joanne or is it Joan? Joanne. Okay, Joanne Woodward. She was in A Kiss Before Dying, The Long Hot Summer, The Sound and the Fury, Rachel, Rachel, Summer Wishes, Winter Dreams, The Drowning Pool, Mr. and Mrs. Bridge, the Age of Innocence, she was the narrator in that. Philadelphia, Breathing Lessons. She's also married to the finest man ever. 
finest specimen of a male ever Mr. Paul Newman. And before you even try to discount us, just take a look at Mr. Newman at the the March on Washington and tell me that's not Mr. Cool. Now, nerd alert. Mm -hmm. When they first met, he was married to someone else. Did she Eve Black him? No. Um, But she... So, but what I read said that, you know, that, that, that Joanne Woodward did not want to break up a house, happy, uh, a marriage. And so they went their separate ways and then they were in a film together and they couldn't deny it. And so his then wife agreed to a divorce and they married. Wow. I wonder what film that was. I bet it's the long hot summer. I'll bet it was. I mean, a we're long definitely hot we're definitely doing that in September when we do Paul Newman. Month. Oh, write that down. Oh, you, I come on. It doesn't have to be written down. I've already filed it away. Yeah, I would love to see their chemistry together. I have to say, I could already. I was picturing it the whole time. <laughs> I was watching this movie. I know that I went into this movie like, oh, am I going to hate Joanne Woodward? But no, I don't. I'm, I'm a big Woodward. I'm a Woodward stand over here. You know she's still alive? Yeah, she is. She was not what you would consider a classic beauty. I mean, she was she was lovely to look at, but she, she didn't have that, like, um, Elizabeth Taylor thing going on. But I feel like that, that's what really attracted him to her even more was her. Well, she had personality. Uh, right. And extremely bright woman. And- yeah. And smart and stuff. And I mean, do their kids just have the bluest of blue eyes? Because this movie is in black and white. Yeah. But I'm and like, her- my God, what color are her eyes if they're doing this in black and white? Yeah. Her eyes were amazing in this. I talk about that later. Okay. Okay, so yes, she's in it. It doesn't really matter who else is in it. But I did. She's in it. Yeah, I did okay. like two more people. Come on. Oh uh, yeah, we're going to. I, but I put I'm just ink saying. to paper at the laundromat. I'm gonna okay. read it. Go for it. We have David Wayne. He played Ralph White, her husband. He's been in a lot of. He stuff. was. He was. He was in Adam's Rib, How to Marry a Millionaire, The Andromeda Strain. He was the Mad Hatter in the Batman series. He was in Dallas, the Golden Girls, Eight is Enough. This dude was in everything. Yeah, he was in everything. And then we have our one of our main men at this point, Lee J. Cobb. Mm-hmm. He was in 12 Angry Men, On the Waterfront, The Exorcist, The Man in the Gray Flannel Suit, In Like Flint. He was so many things. And Nerd Alert. He was the original, the OG Willie Loman from Death of a Salesman <coughs> when it was on Broadway. Of course he was. Because he was like an angry man's man in most, of, in most of his roles. An angry man's man? An uh, angry man's man. Uh, somebody that men would look look up to and they wouldn't feel weird saying yeah i like him yeah he he always reminded me of (laughs) there's two people he reminded me of george c scott Mm -hmm. and my grandpa 
but not in so much personality, but just like the shape of him, like yeah. the shape of his head. Yeah. Okay. I was like, he kind of reminds me of my grandpa. That's interesting. Yeah. And well, your grandpa could be very charming. He could also be very short tempered. Yeah. We, oh. <laughs> huh. Oh, I'm taking that a touch personally, but moving on. <laughs> I mean, the same Every week, could be... folks, I get on the couch and I just get ready for oh. what is going to send my personalities out, but it's okay. I'm I was good. laughing at it because that sounds just like me. Well, that's okay. <laughs> that's true. So I'm like, I guess I come by it honestly. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that because as we are about to see, the world is full of crazy motherfuckers. That's right. And different things happen to different people. Oh. Okay, because I still have the picture of you and your grandpa smoking pipes together, although yours had nothing in it, watching golf. Yeah. Yeah. I could have, who knows? I might have been a, like, I might have been Tigress Williams. You might have been. He would have had you out there. On the links. If, yeah, picking you up hadn't killed him. But (laughs) (laughs) it's your turn on the couch. No, I'm just letting that go. I know you're just saying shit. That's that's a new world. That's a new earth right there, people. Oh, don't Eckhart bother me, none. Yeah, I'm just telling you, you have any issues at all, go to Eckhart. Yeah, I went. Oh. Hey, well, you ain't putting that shit on me, but yeah. it is funny, and I will laugh at it. It was funny. It was funny. See, you have to be able to laugh at painful yeah, memories. That's what I do. <laughs> it's the first time I ever voiced that. I know. <laughs> rather difficult will, will it stick with me no i hope not because it was only said it was only said as a joke you know a lot of times my jokesterness um i think it's, is, I think it's legitimately funny evidently scarred aaron in ways i didn't know but we'll move on yeah but it, i think it all worked out I didn't, I didn't wear a bunch of makeup because she scared me to death about it. That would, would my face would be made up and my parents wouldn't recognize me and I'd become an orphan. And now look at me. I got carded at the grocery store today by a Michelob Ultra. <laughs> so, hey, life begins at 38. There we go. And that we're going with that. <laughs> Okay, so besides Joanne Woodward and the dude and the Lee J. Cobb, do you have anybody else you want to talk about? No. Okay, Wikipedia was like, these are the three people in this movie. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, I was surprised that it was black and white. Oh, really? When did... Yeah. Oh, I guess so. Huh. But, yeah, I felt like it kind of symbolized that everything isn't black and white. (laughs) There are shades of gray. Okay. Okay. No, that was actually, that was my, one of my favorite things. I didn't put it as my MVP, so I guess I can talk about it now, was that I did like the exposure of the film, how there weren't, blacks and there weren't um it was all like gray and everything was very well exposed (laughs) 
I mean, the, the directing leaves something to be desired in this film, but the cinematography and stuff and just the way that it was lit and how everything was just a nice, very evenness, I was like, well, that's nice. But maybe that is a, a problem. Well, okay. So, as stated before, it starts with Alistair Cook saying, you know, doing a disclaimer before the movie starts, saying this is a true story. Now, as Aaron has told you, Alistair Cook was a British journalist, radio broadcaster, and TV personality um, who worked mostly in the United States. Mm-hmm. And um, I wrote down a quote. He was a lively, insightful person whose interpretations of American history and culture he commented on. And I thought, oh, my God, what would he be saying now? So the point was, he was a person like a Walter Cronkite. You would believe what he said. It wouldn't be fake news coming out of his mouth. Well, I think he would be John Oliver now. Okay. Right? British commenting on American oh, culture. Yeah. True that. Okay. I will give you that. Thank you. Well, he's saying this happened in 1951 to a Georgia housewife who frightens her husband by being a completely different woman um, based on the day. Yeah, he's basically, he's in an empty movie theater talking to us who I guess when we're, you know, it's the 50s and this is released, we're in a movie theater and it's like, whoa, we're in a movie theater watching this guy in a movie theater tell us like, hey, I know you're eating your popcorn and stuff, but this is a true story. This is for real, though. This is, he's basically like, this is for realsies. And usually when people say that this is for realsies, it's not really for realsies. But when we say that this is for realsies, we really means it. We means it. It's no fake news right here, people. No, this happened. And we went to great lengths to stage and (laughs) all of the episodes of this woman's life. To fictionalize, but they said a lot of the dialogue did come from clinical records. It is spoken. Like, these. this is how people were talking. And I'm like, what am I in for? Like, really? This is 1957, and it's a 20th century Fox picture. How gritty are we going to get, Natalie? Well, it starts with a pickup truck pulling up to a big building and a man and woman get out and they go in the building. It's a a doctor's office for psychiatry and neurology. Um, The receptionist says Mrs. White is here and it's Lee J. Cobb, who is Dr. Luther. And um, first her husband is in there with her and she's saying she has really bad headaches and she has spells. There's something about, um, Joanne Woodward's voice that's like like it has like almost a filter a muffled filter on it like in this part when she what she's doing when she, now whenever she talks whenever, whenever she, she talks. talks she does a lot of narration work yeah so um I I don't know it's really distinctive anyway she um she has spells and she loses her memory And she's very meek and very timid. Very meek and timid with a really stupid hat on. And very um, deferring to her husband. 
yeah. And she's been having these spells for the past two weeks. She gets a splitting headache, and then she doesn't remember anything until the next day. She has a daughter named Bonnie. Uh, And at one point, I believe Dr. Luther asks Ralph, the husband, to leave the room so he can talk to her. But um, he... He's not, he doesn't know what he's dealing with right now, Dr. Luther. No, yeah, he just had, he's a psychiatry doctor and somebody just came in and sat down. He's got a, he's got a probe. He's got to ask questions. Got to go through his training. So it's one year later. It's the spring of 1952. I would be a few months old. Yeah. Um, the husband comes home and Bonnie comes out wearing her mommy's shoes, but her mommy's shoes are quite floozy. I mean, they have beads hanging off the heels mm-hmm. and they look like they could actually be acrylic shoes. Oh, in 57. And, um, and he's going, where did you get those? And she said, I'm dressing up in mommy's shoes. She said, I could. Um, they match the clothes that are on the bed. So he goes in and on the bed are all these, dr- all these clothes, quite floozy in nature. Oh, and he is not happy about this. Not at all. She comes into the bedroom and she's saying, uh, he's saying, How do, wh- what are you thinking? And she's like, well, you bought them for me. I mean, they're not my style. I I, I was going to return them. Because and she's I'm... wearing pants. Like, they, they're like, kind of like, look like painter pants, you know? They're like high-waisted and very, I don't know, 50s rural Georgia-y pants, but not like poor. Not like dirt poor. I mean, they're in a house and stuff. But it, it's, it was very, her wardrobe to me spoke very much of this is a modest woman who yes. is doing a lot of work around the house and and whatnot, and this yeah, is a usually functional... has her blonde hair pulled into a ponytail mm-hmm. so that you know she can get her work done. And he's going, you bought him, and he looks at the receipt, two hundred and eighteen dollars. Oh my gosh! Which at the time was at this point that's a pair of jeans, but at that time that was huge. Like what? Like a thousand dollars probably. And she's going, well, I, I guess they made a mistake at the store. It's obviously not my style, so I surely didn't buy them. So he goes and calls the store, and the sales lady's going, yeah, I was really surprised when she put those clothes on, but she looked fantastic. <laughs> and so he confronts her. Oh, and he tells her, I had to slap your face. Ooh. And she's going, she's like sincerely confused. Yeah. I bought them? Like, what? No, you bought them for me. And she says, some, and he says, Ralph says, sometimes I don't know if you're crazy or if I am. And he yells at her some more so that she gets this headache. Oh, my head. And the music swells. (laughs) The music swells. And also, every time the music gets jazzy, it is a different personality. And you're and like, the music oh, got jazzy. Snap. And you heard Bonnie screaming from the living room because there was her mother Eve strangling her with a drapery cord. What? 
I mean, I so was he, like, wait, <laughs> I did not expect that in this movie. Just right yeah. off the bat right there. And not so only, he, go ahead. He throws her off onto the floor and he grabs up the daughter and he says, I will kill you if you get up off of that floor. Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't. He, all he does is throw her off because the kid's screaming. He runs in, right. throws her to the ground. He doesn't um, lay hands on her. Because in my mind, I was like, I know that there. everyone says that there's under no circumstances. But don't you think if there ever were a circumstance? Yeah. Like... Well, you put you were choking my child yeah if you get up i will kill you he did say so, if you get up i yeah. will kill you and i was like wow i have not liked ralph at all since this movie started but i have to say mate was i wrong about ralph because he is showing amazing restraint right now I she agree. had I agree. she had the the kid was on the couch and he had the blind thing around her neck and was choking the kid out and maybe it's because i am very anti-murdering children maybe it's also because <laughs> it's been a tough week for murdered kids in the news but i was just like what in the hell? I can't I can't imagine not just going to town on this woman. I don't understand how this is not the end of everything. Right, right. A very short movie. Yes. The end. He killed her. The end. <laughs> I'm like, ah. Oh. Well, the next scene, she's in the doctor's office swearing up and down that she didn't do it. And... Um, he goes, when was the last time you were in Atlanta? And she said, I went to Atlanta last month. Um, and he said, but I, I heard that you didn't want to come home from Atlanta. And she's I wrote, like, yeah. out, doctor. I don't know what that means. She's like, hot Atlanta. You ain't ever been to Freaknik? <laughs> oh, that's what uh, Ralph was in there with them. Oh. And and the doctor asked Ralph to leave so it could just be the two of them. Oh. And um, he says to Eve, why would Ralph lie about this happening? And she says, well, maybe he wants to get Bonnie away from me. And the, the doctor goes, by divorcing you? And she said, no. And I wrote, maybe he's gaslighting me because we learned what that oh. meant. He's trying to make me think I'm crazy so he can get Bonnie away from me. Mm. Um, and she said, but a new development has happened and now I'm hearing voices. Well, actually, it's just one voice and I've, I've been hearing it for months. Yeah, and, this, and then the doctor's like, oh, what does it say? And it's like, oh, it tells me to like do things and stuff. And then she says, doesn't she say, oh, and then it sounds like my voice? And I'm like, yeah. well, he says, does the voice sound familiar? And she goes, um, yeah, sort of familiar. And then after she keeps talking, it's like, well, actually, it's like my voice telling me to divorce Ralph and to take Bonnie and to run away. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, what are we doing here? <laughs> what's, what's going on? It, that sounds like your common sense kicking in. Everyone has a voice in their yeah. head that sounds like them. Yeah. But. I, I kind of didn't because then I was like, remember the 
know she tried to choke out her kid. So I'm very I'm very skeptical at this point with this woman. Because on and one hand, this- I'm like, I don't know if you're crazy. You just sound like you don't have to listen to that voice. <laughs> it could just talk. You don't have to do everything it says. Well, at this point, she's uh, the doctor assures her she's not losing her mind, which in 1952, when this was happening, I would think that the first thing you would think was she was schizophrenic if she's hearing voices. Well, I'm if this is like 1952 and granted, I all that I know about 1952 is what I've seen in the media. I would think, how have they not shoved a needle into her head? Yeah, Isn't that already. what they would do? Just lobotomies? Yeah, lobotomies lobotomy. for everyone. Mm-hmm. So you I'm get like, a lobotomy. Wow. And you get a lobotomy. <laughs> You're not drooling on yourself. So this seems very progressive for 1952. Yeah. But luckily, she ended up with this dude mm-hmm. in Georgia. Okay. But this uh, guy is based on th- that fig pen guy. And that fig pen guy, he was into the lobotomy and the coma therapy oh, wow. and the, okay. the shock therapy. Yeah, they all were at the time. We're just going to shock that demon out of you. But some people, it, it like works for them. But I think, I feel like they have um, perfected it more. I hope <laughs> so. Not just random shocks that they're like, no, this is yeah. the frequency that the brain is. We'll right. do this frequency. Hopefully, says Marjorie Kennedy. Okay, um, and she goes, what if sometimes it sounds like my voice? And she's crying. Her head is in her hands. Then you hear this jazzy music. Oh. And he goes, Mrs. White? And she raises up her head and says, I don't, I don't have no headache. And just pause, just time out right here. When she lifted up her head, her eyes changed. And I was like, yes. Joanne Woodward, this is why yes. you got the Oscar. That's what I said. I, I I'm all in. I was like, yeah, Paul Newman, Joanne, we a power couple. You yeah. are worthy of my main man, Paul. I am not yeah. mad at you anymore. Proceed. Her, her face changed a little with each personality, and her eyes definitely changed with each personality. I mean, yeah, her like physically and her voice and stuff. But when her eyes changed, I said, mm-hmm. game over. This woman's got talent. She is worthy. She is worthy. Proceed with this film, Joanne. Yeah. So she goes, you know, she has a headache, not me. She gets those headaches when I want to come out. And she's going, oh, man, it's so hot here. Uh, these hoes, I'm allergic to nylon, so I'm just going to take them off, okay? So this this woman has no um uh, barriers, no just um, no filters, no filters, no social graces. She's going to take her. Now they weren't pantyhose at the time; they were nylons. They were nylons, but she's going to take them off, and she does ask him to turn his head while she does. Well, she is. I mean, this woman is. She's just the. She knows how to just seduce anyone. She does. That's her thing. Is she is? I don't know. Like, is that what floozies are? I don't, I don't want to use the wrong term, but she's just the woman who she knows. She knows her power, and she wields it. And her yes. power is sexual charm, and she is just a sexual charm assassin. Yes. And it's just like, 
uh, allow me to watch you work because I am not you <laughs> in any way. <laughs> this is interesting. Proceed. <laughs> so she goes, uh, hey, let's go dancing. She gets her hair out of the ponytail. She goes, I'm Eve Black, opposite of white. Which, okay. I did. I did put my drinks down at that moment and I wrote a note and my note, I only wrote like five notes and I was like, Eve black. Really? What the fuck? Because it's the opposite of Eve white. Her yeah. name was Eve white. Her name so was Eve... With Eve black. Okay. You can say that. But the way that I saw it was that this is the bad personality this is the one who is, because this is 1957. So watching it in 2019, you're like, you know, Eve Black is taking agency with her life. But in 1957 watching this, Eve Black was bad. And but to the, but to, um, the um, positiveness of the doctor, uh, as we see later in the film, he liked Eve Black. He, he, he was not. Eve, yeah, because Eve Black wanted to sleep with him and was always flirting with him. Eve Black didn't necessarily want to sleep with him. Eve Black wanted to win him over. So she knew how to win him over. Yeah. yeah. He, he was a man. And he was like, I, yeah, I, who you like, Eve White or Eve Black? Yeah, I like Eve, Eve Black. We would have a great time. We would go out dancing. She's she's hella fun. Eve White is a uh, well, yeah, she was Debbie Downer. Mm -hmm. But in the but the subtleties of them, like this is nineteen fifty seven. You're not gonna tell me that they're got like, it. I got oh, it. I got it. Okay. Black. Yet another like you know fifties and stuff. Black bad. See, that's why we do this because as a person who has lived with white privilege for sixty seven years, I didn't even think of that, even in my circumstances. I did. I rolled my eyes at that shit. I'm like, of course, because I didn't. I didn't notice that it was Eve White. It that didn't oh, dawn on me until okay. Eve Black came, and I was like, you sons of bitches. Well, in one life to live, when Vicky had her multiple personalities, I thought of, of her was... a lot during this movie. <laughs> one of them was Nikki. Okay. Anyway. So she says, I've never been married. Bonnie's not my child when I'm in my right mind. And she turns on the radio and she starts shaking her hips and dancing. Mm -hmm. So at this point, he goes out. I said he goes to talk to the husband, but he doesn't. No. He walks right <laughs> past the husband and goes to his associate's office and says, Dr. Dude, Francis Day. I need some help, dude. Mm hmm so both doctors go in. At this point, Eve is smoking. Um, and Dr. Day is there. And Eve said, Eve Black says, I remember everything that happens to her. I yell at her to leave her husband. Um, and she goes, I'm going to fix Ralph. I'm going to come out and I'm going to stay out. And Ralph, Ralph doesn't like me. So, yeah, I'm going to fix his wagon. And so at this point, one of the doctors says, can you come out whenever you want? And she says, no, but it's getting easier. The weaker she gets, the stronger I get. Yeah. And um, then she goes back to being Eve. Well, Dr. Day says she's faking it. <laughs> Dr. Day. Dr. We'll get, Day. We'll get to Dr. Day. 
because his alternate personality is Dr. Knight. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, Ma. <laughs> Never even occurred to me. Uh, just now. May 17th, 1952, um, they're at the University Hospital Psychiatric Unit. The doctor comes in. Uh, Bonnie is with her mother and father. Bonnie is with Eve's mother and father. Mm -hmm. Because Bonnie, I mean, Eve needs to be held in a psychiatric well, unit. Eve put wraps, like Eve tried to choke Bonnie. Bonnie, see, here's, Bonnie has, it should be the, the six faces of Bonnie. Bonnie, why do you have why do you have multiple personalities? The dissociative disorder. Because when I was like five, my mom tried to choke me out with a. Oh, only it wasn't my mom; it was one of her multiple personalities. Yeah, I. Yeah, but then and then I was like, oh, it's the fifties. She has a father. Ralph is just I can't deal with this. Bye. He's Bonnie. a fifties father. Yeah, he's just he. You think he was in the war? And he came back. I'm and he sure was like, he was. I can't, I can't deal with this. This was 52. He had to have been in the war he unless he had bone spurs. Ralph didn't seem like he had bone spurs. Nope. So maybe Ralph was just like, look, the shit that I have seen, <laughs> I can't raise Bonnie and I can't deal with this wife who has. Oh, but I don't think that Ralph knows at this point. Does he? Did he tell no, Ralph? No, they, they don't know. But. Okay, they don't know. But looking back at it, uh, whatever caused Eve to have multiple personalities came from her home life, and that's where you're putting your daughter now? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah. Wonder, wonder if Bonnie's middle name was Sybil. No. Sorry. So the doctor is asking, is your marriage a happy one? And she says, well, not as a whole. Um, I, I haven't been able to make him happy. And um, Dr. Guther says, have you ever felt like someone deep down is deep down inside of you and you can't reach that person? And she's like, no, sir. So she's like skimming on the surface. So it's nighttime. And uh, we hear the sexy music, and she looks up. So we know it's Eve Black, and she tries to seduce an orderly. <laughs> oh, that was it was a bit of levity in this yes. in this movie. Okay, so um, yeah, okay. So she she tells him, "I've got a poem for you," because they were reading poems earlier in the day room. Mm -hmm. She goes, "It's a limerick." <laughs> of which I thought was hysterical. He runs out extremely disheveled and calls Dr. Luther. Which, that's kind of, I was like, I'm calling 1957 BS on that. Because knowing what we know now about those places and no. the way that he was, remember the way he was looking at her when she was Eve White reading the poems? Yeah. I was like, ooh, Eve Black has been out multiple times and he's just <laughs> waiting for her. I did not believe, like, oh, when she tried to seduce him, then he ran out. I'm like, this guy's a predator. <laughs> that was my my 2019 assessment of well, the orderly. Well, anyone would know you, you never go into a patient's room. I mean, you just don't do that. Okay, anyway. Yeah, but this guy's an orderly. 
He's with the, you know, it's the 1950s. He's just probably just taking advantage of people left after right. Well, that's true. Anybody in a coma, I'm sure he's had his fun with. Yeah. Okay, so um, next we see Dr. Luther asking Eve Black if she can control when she comes out. Because the doctor tells her, you try anything like that again, you're going to be locked up. You're going to be locked up as Eve White, but Eve Black goes in that cell too. So, so you got to get you got to get yourself under control. Um, the doctor obviously doesn't know what to do, and he says ah, to Eve Black, "I want to tell Eve White about you," because Eve White doesn't know that she just knows she blacks out, and then her husband's really mad at her when she comes to, but. She doesn't know that there are other personalities there. Yeah. At that point, she becomes Mrs. White again. And she says to him, I had another one, didn't I? Um, so he says, I'll tell you the, the situation. You have multiple personality disorder. I'm going to go explain it to Ralph. At some point in the past, your personality divided into two specific personalities. And he explains the mental situation she's going through she, uh, you can't help it you're not crazy do you understand <laughs> yeah I know and she goes do he goes do you understand and she says no sir so he takes Ralph to Eve and he brings out Eve Black because we hear the jazz music um, and Ralph says I got a good mind to slap your face um, and the doctor says, don't use your temper, use your sense. <laughs> I uh, did like you know, that part. That part was funny when he scolded him. I was like, he scolded you like you were a woman. <laughs> I feel like I need to make that into a sign using lots of different uh, fonts. Don't use your temper, use your sense. Wouldn't yeah. that be a nice, a nice slogan for I mean, motto for our family? No, that's a nice motto for humanity. Oh, that's true. <laughs> like that, that pretty much kind of sums up the, and you know, when I say crazy and stuff, I say it from a point of just the, the natural state of mankind is crazy. Everyone is crazy. Everyone is freaky nuts. Some are just more, uh, nuts than others. Nuts yeah. than others. Yeah. And it's not. It's not, um, it's not your fault. You can, there are things that you can, some things are your fault and you can work on them. And some things are just kind of out of your fault and you got to work harder at just kind of reeling it back in. Yeah. But the, the choices, you yeah, make. everybody is like, everyone is crazy and there's just the crazy spectrum. There isn't a sane person among us. That's true. Yeah. Okay, well, now it's two weeks later. It's May 30th, 1952. Um, and she's being released because they found she is not a harm to herself or others. Like, uh, okay. They haven't, they haven't cured her. They haven't found out what is causing this. And they're sending, but I don't think Bonnie's home yet. I don't, and I think because of a, the scene, I think that comes after it is that she doesn't want to be around Bonnie because she right. knows that she's not cured, and she's like, 
tried to choke my daughter and I definitely would not do that like who I am now but that did happen everybody's telling me that it happened and you're telling me I have different personalities and they just pop out and I obviously have no control over that so yeah I don't want to be around my kid right now well at this point she found finds out that Ralph has found a job in Jacksonville Florida Ooh, at which point I'm like that is not the place for your crazy ass to be going <laughs> Or maybe it is. <laughs> you just fit in. Just, I'm just normal keep here. Everybody, everybody below the, the the Florida border. <laughs> okay. So this separation is having unexpected consequences on her treatment. And so she's saying she's not moving to Jackson. She has the sense to say, no, not moving there because I gotta I gotta get my treatment until I'm fixed. Excuse me, Ralph somebody a doctor has told me that i have mold i have different people living inside me i i black out and i am someone completely different and i can't remember it so let me get my shit together please and she she's very forceful as eve white to say no i'm gonna do this because i don't want to see my daughter again until i know i'm not gonna mm. kill her <laughs> yeah which you know what? A round yeah. of applause. And Ralph is like, you ain't crazy. You just got multiplied personalities. <laughs> and he leaves because he wanted her, you know, to use her. Anyway. Oh, what? Eve, the shit that I've seen. Seriously? <laughs> and I think he, he kind of likes it when she's Eve Black. Truth be told. Well. Okay. Well, next scene, she's tarted up as Eve Black and she's out on the town. She's got a... We don't know it because it's black and white, but it's a red dress. We learn later. Oh, and she she is out on the town. She sings "Hold Me." I said, a la Marilyn Monroe. Oh, uh, as Marilyn Monroe would in a very sexy way, and she is dancing with somebody who would later become Doctor Ben Casey in a few years. The sergeant who got mad because. He mm -hmm. spent eight dollars mm -hmm. on her, yeah, and, and she wouldn't put out. Yeah, yeah, that. Who's Doctor Ben Casey? Is that like Doctor Kildare? Only he was. It was bigger than Doctor Kild. Doctor Kildare was like the B list, and this was Doctor Ben Casey. I forget the name of the show though. Oh, it started with life, death, male, female, life, death, infinity. It would show those symbols. Weird. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and this sergeant, she would always go where there were military men. Well, it was mm -hmm. Georgia. So I think that there were, there are a lot of bases down in Georgia, right? He was demanding that she go away with him because he already shelled out $8 and don't just, oh, I don't just go home with people like the morning paper. She said, yeah. So she starts crying and he leaves. She's at her rooming house. Whoa, Ralph shows up. He grabs her and well, kind of like yeah. twists her arm. And she's like, you hurt me. And then she, and then, you know, she cries and she's like, I don't like to be hurt. And you're like, okay, she's going to leave. And White's going to come back. And sure enough, White comes back. And White has these innocent eyes and is looking around like, what is going on here? <laughs> and then the sergeant is like, ah. 
I'm out of here. This is, I don't know what's going on. Well, Ralph shows up at her, at her rooming house. And he says, I want you to come back with me. I hear you've been at the Big Apple, which is a bar. Mm -hmm. Every night you've been ginned up. Mm. <laughs> and uh, he says, somebody's fooling me because he thinks she just wants to be. He doesn't believe the whole thing. Well, yeah, because and when she goes out, all the ladies at the boarding house are on the porch watching her go out. And, they're, and you know, oh, well, it's going to get back to him. Because she sashays. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he says, let's get out of here. And she says, I'm not leaving till I'm well. And he says, cut that out. And she says, I'm not going. And he goes, you need a good whooping. <laughs> She's saying, I'm not leaving till I'm well. And he's going, you don't come with me now. It's all over. And he leaves. Then there's a mirror. And the Eve black music comes on. A lot of stuff you never seen me do. Well, yeah, because Eve, so then Eve black is, comes in because it's like, well, crap. There goes my meal ticket. I got to fix this situation. So then she gets all gussied up and she goes to his hotel room and he's packing and making himself a drink and he's just kind of like, what's going on? And she's like, look, I'm not your wife, but there's a lot of things that I do that your wife doesn't do. I think we can come to a mutual agreement. And he's she's basically trying to seduce him. And then he, Ralph's into it because... It's like, it is his wife, but then he's like, wait, is, are you my wife or are you not my wife? And th that was like a kind of ha 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 moment. But then he's like all into it and tries to kiss her because remember Eve Black, she can't stand Ralph. She hates Ralph. She hates Ralph. And she's like, ah, no, you, no, no, no. I want you to ask me because he's like, well, you don't want to go to Jacksonville with me. And Black says, Ah, ah, ah. you didn't ask me you asked her i want to go to jacksonville with you and then he tries to kiss her and stuff because she's like seducing him and he, she pushes him away and she's like nope you gotta buy me something nice and i was like he's black and she said i house. can't leave with just one dress he's like look at this it's all it's almost old and so they end up in the car <laughs> Ralph is driving back to Jacksonville with her. And he's like, why don't you sit closer to me? And she's like, you ain't bought me nothing nice yet. Eve Black. Yeah. She gets what she wants. Okay, so um, then there's a dress box. There's a nice dress in it. And she's at a club dancing and singing. She always finds armed forces men. Mm -hmm. She's got a and type. Ralph is waiting in her room. I guess she goes back, he slaps her, and he leaves with a suitcase. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, now you slap her, Ralph? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, it's two years later. Uh, the, both doctors are there, and she's getting worse. And um, they're asking, are you going to get divorced? And she says, uh, there is not a satisfactory solution. Um, 
uh, Eve Black says she's been coming out since she's been coming out of Eve White since she was six years old. Um, and then Eve Black says, I'm not going to let her come out. She tried to kill herself last night with a razor blade. And you see that her wrist is wrapped up. Mm -hmm. And he's, I got out and I made her drop that blade. So Eve White did try to end all of them. Um, and at this point, it's been an hour. Right. So did we hook you? I don't eh. I mean, this is... Eh. You, can, you can hear us, I feel. I don't know if this is if I'm putting this on the must watch list. Except if you want to see uh, her performance is really amazing. Oh, her performance is fantastic, but I don't feel like um like you can still listen to us spoil the hell out of this movie yeah, and still love yeah. her performance. That's what yeah, I'm going at. That's true. That's true. Um It I is a performance say- worthy of the woman that Oh, Paul Newman chose to marry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I know I confused you on that. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, but yes, it, it is Paul Newman worthy. Um, I feel. Mm-hmm. I feel she was Paul Newman worthy. Um, sh- uh, okay, so people of color count? None. Zippo. T- took place in Georgia in the 50s. Yeah. Not a one. I, th- I was looking in the background. Did I miss anyone in the background? No. Who is who's cleaning up after all these white no people? No cleaning crew. Not in even the no black people do not exist in this film. There weren't even any at the Big Apple where she would go. No, dancing. no. This this was no. one of the most segregated films we've ever watched. Yeah. Not because and then it didn't even have. Like there was just wasn't even a mention. I'm like, mm-hmm. am I more offended by by no um, racial slurs that even like what well, is a racial slur? But at least they acknowledge the existence. Right. I'm like, is that worse or is it worse to just like just don't even exist? I don't know. It really is because they're like, well, it is a racial slur. But then this movie is like just in the world that they live in, it's just not even a thing. But I guess a racial slur would have been shoehorned in because it has nothing to do with it. So Exactly, that's true. I'm going to choose to look at it that way. But I got my eye on you, Three Faces of Eve. I got my eye on you. Okay, you've done a nerd alert. I've done a nerd alert. You have more? I have more nerd alerts. Go. Okay. Well, I said about the DP because I like the exposure of everything, which is a super nerdy alert. And how he worked on the Magnificent Ambersons, which I have not seen, but it's an Orson Welles film, and therefore I'm guessing its cinematography is on point. Two um, percent of the population apparently has this dissociative identity disorder. That's higher than I expected. And that's you take a room of 100 people, and there's two people in there. Wow. I'm like, what? So at the wedding, there were like one and a half people there with this issue. Yeah, and I can name two off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't. See how funny that was? 
That's how. See, that's comedy, people. That's comedy. That was classic. Yeah. See, that was well done. It's and six, it wasn't me. It's six times more often in females. I, I I get that because of the repression for so many years. I'm guessing you know? because of just the trauma that females uh, have to endure. Yeah. In childhood. Um. Okay. So you know how it's based on this book, and it was like, oh, it's a true story. Well, the woman, her name wasn't Eve. Her name was Christine Costner Sizemore, and she went yes. public in the 70s. She witnessed two deaths and a horrifying accident within three months as a child. So they're kind of like, because in the movie, spoiler alert. Yeah, really. Because you're like, all right, who touched her? You know. Yes. Who and, was under that porch with her? Yeah. That's what I and then they're under the porch and stuff. And it turns out that she, the horrific event in this movie was that her grandmother had died and it was the wake and the mother made Eve kiss little girl Eve kiss the dead grandmother, which yeah. that would be pretty traumatic and stuff. But I'm just like, if that's the traumatic event that causes a paranoid as a child, then like there would be so many more people with multiple personalities in fact, I I had to rewatch that part of the film because I thought, did I miss exactly what it was that caused this split? Um, and no, I hadn't missed no, it. it so, was that. Yeah. So, but then in they say that she, you know she witnessed three or two deaths in a horrifying accident. So then I'm like, okay. oh, okay, 20th Century Fox saying like, oh, this is exactly what happened. You kind of yeah. you kind of really softballed that part in. Yeah, exactly. Because I was like, seriously, like, I mean, I thought usual. I thought like most of the time it was due to sexual molestation. I did too, but maybe that's us being trained from One Life to Live. That might be because One Life to Live, my... it was always it always stemmed from that with Todd that's my research and with base, Vicky. One Life to Live, yeah, that's how I learned about it. Yeah, um, but no, it was like that, and then so she wrote, "I'm Eve" in 1977, and she wrote "A Mind of My Own" in 1989, and it was mm -hmm. said that she had 20 personalities, yeah. and three would come out at a time. Um, she felt exploited and objectified by the book and the movie. Really? And in 19... That's... Well, it's which one of you? <laughs> ah, sorry. Cheap shot. But come on. Ooh, <laughs> Did all of you feel that way? Really? In, in a per, when None of your 20 personalities were cool with it? Sorry. Which one was the most manipulative? Uh, yeah. But in 1988, um, she found out that Thigpen, the psychiatrist, signed away her legal rights to her own story to 20th Century Fox. Oh, no. Because I think... The one person you could trust. Well, by that time, they had kind of gone their separate ways. Oh. You know, he wrote the book, but then she ended up going to a doctor in Virginia, and she's like, yeah, that doctor helped me a lot more than these two guys. Oh, okay. So they're... 
you know, I, I don't know. There just seems like there's a lot of, and it's, you know, the 50s and stuff and it's multiple personalities in general. So yeah. I don't know who to believe in this situation. Yeah, that's true. Because I'm not 100% sold on it. But I do acknowledge that the mind, that the mind is, is the mind contains multitudes. So I don't put anything past the mind. But then this is also very convenient. And I'm, I'm just like, the, ah. the end of the film was extremely convenient. Oh, yeah, that was totally convenient. And so yeah. she and I think that Sissy Spacek was going to do uh, like a parody of the three faces of Eve. And so she went to that's why she went found out that she didn't have the rights to her own life. And she went to a oh. Manhattan federal court and there was an out of court settlement so we don't know what happened, but no films have been made since then. Yeah. So maybe wow. the Manhattan or maybe the settlement was like, yeah, yeah, probably. Probably you should probably have your own rights. Yeah. To your story about yeah. all your personalities. Because she's like, one of my personalities is Vito Corleone. <laughs> that didn't okay. really happen. <laughs> Do we? But we don't know. It was an out of court settlement. But I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> See, it, it all fits in together. The, the Godfather is really part of the Three Faces of Eve expanded universe. There we go. Ooh. And you only found it out here on Gone with the Bushes. Yep. Okay, are those all your nerd alerts? Those are all the things that I had room to put in nerd alerts. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so reheatables. Okay. Okay, so my negatives, because we always start with the negatives, mm -hmm. it seems. You know, hitting your wife or saying you're going to hit your wife or I ought to slap you. Um, yes, if if your wife is trying to kill your child, you have a right to, to do what you need to do. Yeah, that's when, although he did threaten to kill her, but he didn't like slap her. He didn't lay a hand on her. And then she comes in from a night on the town and that's when he decks her. No. I'm like, guy, your priorities are completely right. out of whack. Ego over my child's life. Yeah. Yeah. And then my other negative is really, I mean, I guess it was a tradition somewhere that you kiss the, the face of the dead person some kind of good fortune is supposed to happen. Well, to then it's, it's supposed to be like a sweet, it gives them a sweet, like, Goodbye. goodbye and remembrance but i'm of the belief you can believe whatever you want i'm of the belief like they ain't paying attention <laughs> yeah they're gone now yeah do what like all this is for you all this right. is for the people here mm -hmm. so no i don't i don't yeah i don't want anyone to think they have to kiss back <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, so your negatives? Oh, man, settle in, everyone. Ooh, watch out. Well, he, that the guy spent $8. I spent $8 on a woman. I expect something. $8 back then was a lot of money. How? Not that that is. No, I, I'm <laughs> just saying inflation. But, again, 
I don't care how much you spend. That does not entitle you to whatever you want. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I know that Eve, ba- I already mentioned it. Eve Black in 1957 is supposed to be a demonized bad woman. But Eve Black in 2019, I, I applaud. She's got agency, sexuality, you know, she, yeah. she's, she's living her best life. Yeah. Um, okay, we already mentioned it. Kissing her dead grandma caused her dissociative identity disorder. I was like, yeah. really? And a couple people touching her in the wrong place. Yeah, I'm exactly. She had a weird step uncle or something. Um, yeah, and then we already said, like, Ralph hitting her for Papier. And then you know, the thing about, like, Eve, though, okay, I just, I just did clap up Eve, Eve Black. But I guess I got to kind of walk it back because Eve Black is the one that tried to choke out the little girl. Yeah. But then it's weird because that Eve Black that wanted to choke out, like we never see that Eve Black. The first time that, isn't that the first time we see Eve Black or like, like we don't even know that it's her, but it's somebody right. else and it's choking the child. Right. And then she's like, oh yeah, that isn't my kid. But you never see her animosity towards like that i don't know it, it, i was just like just a shocking awe to get you hooked into the movie and i'm like well yeah well nanly that worked i guess but i ended up really liking eve black and then i had to go back and be like well wait that was eve black that tried to choke the little girl and that doesn't seem like any eve black that we've seen in the film right we only see Eve Black trying to have a good time. Yeah. Un- we don't see her being violent. So, unless, I guess, the argument would be made that when Dr. Luther does the rationale, like when he, when he, when he basically does the timeout to Eve Black of, hey, you have to be on your best behavior now. No more trying to, to kill Bonnie. Because if you kill Bonnie, you're going to go to prison. And Eve White's going to go to prison, which means you're going to go to prison. And so then, oh, it was like, but straighten up and fly right for Eve mm-hmm. Black, I guess. So I guess that's what they meant. But, yeah, and then I already said, like, Eve Black. And then also, is she Eve Black? Or is she Janet at the end? Jane. Jan. Um, no, Jane. she becomes Jane at the end, which is like a culmination of the characters into one. So was she always Jane then? Because no. Jane is the one, but Jane has all the memories. Because she's like, oh, my teacher was this person, and I can remember it all. And then it's like, well, maybe. Well, so you're not Eve anymore? You're Jane now? And now you gotta explain to Bonnie how there's like... What's your mom's name? Well, it was Eve, but now it's Jane. Uh, and that's the least of her problems. Yeah, because now she's got a stepdad. Yeah. Which, and, and again... Really kind of a stepmom. Yeah, and Ralph is just fine with this? Yeah. <laughs> My... I'm in Jacksonville. I'm doing my thing. I know that you promised you're not going to, like, kill our daughter. Yeah, I promise, Ralph. 
and all right, Eve. It's not Eve. It's Jane. All right, Jane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Raise Bonnie. Yeah. Well, yeah, everything was tied up too neatly at the end too quickly. I mean, just yeah. based on Vicky, Nikki, and One Life to Live, that went on for years. I mean, this did this did take some years, but I think it ended up being like six years or something. Yeah. Something. And then it, she was cured because she remembered. And then when she's cured, it's like, I'm... I'm Jane. And also how the doctor was like, yeah, Eve White isn't suitable and Eve Black isn't suitable. I'm yeah. like, but they're like they're people. But people can be like either they're, one of those yeah, people. Yeah, they're all parts of that personality. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I hey, it was it done in fifty seven. I guess they did the best they could. Yeah. And even though they're like when people say that this is true, this is true. Everything that we see happen. Okay. Yeah, well. So those are my reheatable, my bad reheatables. Okay, my good reheatables. I did enjoy when she remembered her elementary school teachers with such a look of joy on her face. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Because you don't remember yours that way? No, I, I mean, I, I remember Mrs. Gray. My other positive reheatable was that there was a female film editor on this film in 1957. I've later found out it's because of nepotism. <laughs> but hey, anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> Any we'll take means it. necessary. We'll take it. That's what it took. It's probably That's what it go. still takes. There you go. Okay. Mm -hmm. My good reheatable was, was just Joanne Woodward, her performance. I was like, hey, that's how you get Paul Newman. I ain't mad at you, girl. Go and do your thing. Well, she was my MVP. Her oh. eyes were my MVP because each character had different look in her eyes. Mm -hmm. That's that's good. And your MVP? Well, I have the honorable mentions. Like sometimes MVPs for me, they're just the the thing that just sticks out the most. So, okay. And it doesn't. That's it's what I enjoy the most, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Because I contain multitudes. Well, I, that's true. I don't, you know, like I, I find different things funny. So I have honorable mention for Ralph of just being dad of the year. <laughs> dad of the millennium. Just he, he saves, Go ahead with your he crazy saves mama. his daughter and he's just like, you know what? The shit I've... But now I, I'm going back because I'm like, oh, he... he I've... I've assigned uh, Ralph. He was a replacement in Easy Company, and so I've written this whole other narrative to to him that gives um, a mass amount of sympathy to him. But still, not a great dad. And yeah. then my my two co MVPs are the doctors, Doctor Francis Day and Doctor Luther. So Doctor Francis Day, because he Doctor Luther comes in and says, "Oh my gosh." Like, have you ever witnessed multiple personality disorder? And, you know, Dr. Francis Day, Dr. Day is the old guy, old timer. And he's like, no. And like these two guys, though, this is their career. So this is the gold mine, right? They're in Georgia. They never think they're going to see this. And the guy goes, well, do you think that you would be able to identify multiple personality disorder? And Dr. Day says, I don't think I don't know if I could spot it, but
but I could definitely tell you if it's a fake. Yeah. I'm like, how the fuck does that work? Yeah. <laughs> I can't spot it, but I can spot what it isn't. But I know exactly what it isn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then Dr. Luther, because he's presented with this problem of this, this woman tried to kill her kid, says that she has multiple personalities. And so his, his treatment, his solution is he's like, I'm going to rationalize with the one that tried to murder the child. I'm going to, I'm going to point out, Hey, you keep going down this path. You do something dumb, you're going to end up in jail. Is that how you want to end up? And I just think, is this where timeouts came from? (laughs) (laughs) He basically gave the Eve Black a timeout. Or like was like, now, now Spencer, now Spencer, now I'm just, he's the, he's the mom trying to rationalize with the kid in Target that we've all seen. Uh, we're like, was there a Spencer in Target today? No, there wasn't, because I was there er- too early for children ah, to be excellent. about. So, there are my MVPs, these two guys. Okay, my favorite time, recasting. Ah, okay. I have two casts. I have two as well. Okay, so my first cast, I went with... Um, Michelle Williams as Eve White, Black Jane. Has somebody been watching Fosse Verdon? I I just felt like actually somebody um, Googled female actresses under 50. And may I share, Google is very kind to some people. (laughs) Why are you like they're clearly over 50? Clearly over 50. (laughs) Was Susan Sarandon on on the list? Jennifer Conley. She's 50? Uh, oh, she has to be. Come on. Okay, anyway. Um, my Dr. Luther, I have two. Mm-hmm. I went with Robert Redford. Oh. But I also thought, because this person I originally had for Mrs. White, but I went, uh, she's too old for Mrs. White. Viola. Hmm. She would be a great Dr. Luther. Viola Davis? Yeah. That's true. Jennifer Conley is 48. Uh, I apologize, Jennifer. You're right there on the cusp. So indeed, you are under 50. (laughs) Um, Then my Dr. Day, because I did Dr. Day. Oh, you did a Dr. Day. Yeah, I did. He's Tom Hanks. (laughs) Okay. That's funny. Okay. And my Mr. White, I, I kind of struggled with this. So I just went with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, he's a... Yeah. He could be oblivious. Mm-hmm. Then I went with my all-female cast. Okay. So my all-female cast, uh, Mrs. White, I have Diane Kruger. Oh, interesting. <gasps> I thought that was a good mix. Mm-hmm. And my Dr. Luther, I had Kate Winslet. <laughs> Dr. Luther. That's funny. I could see her. She's into her doctor role. And my Mr. White, I have this the same sex couple. Mm-hmm. So my Mr. White is Maggie Gyllenhaal. <laughs> you, I'm going to whoop you one. 
She could definitely do that. Yeah, I could see that. That's good. She's had cream of mushroom soup put on her face. I'm just saying. Oh, you watch The Deuce or something? <laughs> I, yep. I never finished season one. I was just like, this is too, this is just, I just felt so like I needed a shower. Exactly. The whole time. Exactly. That's like, pretty much how the 70s were. Yeah. You needed a shower just, at the end of every the day. The whole, this is grime on my face and stuff. I was like, ugh. Um, so my recasting, so for Eve, I cast, I don't know how to say her name. I think it's Ray Seahorn. Either Rhea or Ray, who I is? I don't know who that is. Yeah, you do from Better Call Saul. The the attorney in Better Call Saul, the blonde. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Because that's who Joanne Woodward reminded me of. And I was like, ah, just, just a little kind of older for the part, but I was like, yeah. She's a really good actress. She could do she could do good things in this part. Okay. But then also, like, I mean, we've already mentioned the whole multiple personality things has just been done to death by the soap opera. So it's not like yes. this is a I mean, that was a gold mine yeah. for the writers of soap operas. Right. Come on. So my Ralph is Steve Bushimi. Yes. Mm-hmm. And my Dr. Luther is Brian Cranston. Well done. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's going to be on Netflix or uh, television. So they're, it's a shoe-in to sweep the Golden Globes and yes. Emmys. Might be on Hulu. Might be on Hulu. And my my real cast, Uh-oh. Eve, is Tracy Ellis Ross. Oh. Well, those are big eyes to be doing three different characters. Exactly. My Ralph is Keenan Thompson. <laughs> and my Dr. Luther is Delroy Lindo. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, man, I nailed this. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because it was very easy to go carry Washington. But I was like, no, Tracy Ellis Ross, you get in there and show what you can do. Yeah. I, I, I like to do that, too. Like, mm-hmm. give somebody who we haven't talked about a lot. I think, like, people that have, like, the talent of, like, oh, yeah, Michelle Williams very easily could be Eve, and she would probably get the part. But I'm saying, here's an actress who she does good work, and I think she would nail it. Yeah. She's on a sitcom, so she doesn't get the respect that she should. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But she's an actress. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Okay, tasty nuggets. Okay. Well, you already did some of mine, her books. Uh, I'm Eve in a Mind of My Own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wrote down that two-year-old Eve witnessed a drowned man, a saw worker sliced into three pieces, Ooh. and a mother cutting herself with broken glass. Within like months of each other. Right, exactly. As someone who almost saw a dog get like squashed by a car, the man getting sawed into three, I could, and I'm old. 
As a child, if I saw a man getting sliced into three, I could. That would be traumatic. Mm, Plus, the, it would be. The, a mother who is like cutting herself. So, like, that's. That woman is on the crazy spectrum. Mm-hmm. Is definitely having an issue of some sort. The drowning man. Who among us hasn't seen a drowned man? I I saw in Philadelphia. So that to me, I poo poo it. Okay, it's just in uh, a culmination. Yeah, that's a rough three months. Mm-hmm. Or I don't even know if it was three months or a month. Whatever. Tough, tough on the old kid. And then Ralph yeah. comes in. You don't want to know what I saw on D Day. Like, well, and then true. I'm thinking. If her mother was indeed cutting herself with broken glass, I'm thinking it that was her, her mother, mother might have had some mental health issues that she might have inherited. Wait, anyway. it was her mother? Yes, her mother cutting herself with oh, broken glass. Oh, I thought it was a mother. No. It was her mother? Yeah. That's, She's yeah. got she like she got some stuff passed down to her. Yeah. She was she did not Again, on like the we're all crazy spectrum, she's like in the uh, middle to dark grays already. And the yeah. gene that her mother gave her was a middle to dark gray in the crazy. Yeah. Not, not that it was her mother's fault. People didn't know what it was. Just like she was not dealt a useful hand. Yeah. She, was, she wasn't holding on to anything for the river. She threw them all back and was like, I want, I want a completely new hand. I don't even have an ace here. What are we doing? Um, I I thought I read that originally they thought Judy Garland would be playing Eve. I read that too. That the guy that Johnson had a hard time finding actresses to play the part. Mm-hmm. Which I think is hilarious because hello... This is acting. You get to be multiple personalities. Isn't that what acting is? True acting, yeah. not just not just being yourself. Because also June Allison, Eva Marie Saint were considered, plus some people whose names I didn't even know. Um, yeah, they had a hard time casting it, is what I heard. Yeah, it was fine. Like Joanne Woodward was like, ah, fine, I'll do it. That she agreed to be in it. Because I totally can. Yeah, but I'm, I would have thought that this would have been, actors would have been chomping down the, the bit to be like, yeah, wait. Betty Davis? Yeah, I get to be more than one person? Because usually in a movie, you're just the one person. Now you get to be, I get to be three different people? Yeah. I guess they didn't know that that's instant Oscar bait. But then Joanne Woodward won, and it was like, son of a bitch! <laughs> Yeah, that's when the soap operas started going, okay, we got to get our people some yeah. multiple personalities. A note to selves. Um, and then I had um, that each time she had a, a different voice for each of the three characters, and the music was different for each of the three characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those were mine. So I have just some Joanne Woodward appreciation stats. She has 60-year career, four Oscar nominations, one Oscar win for this role, 10 Golden Globe nominations, 
She won three, mm. four BAFTA film nominations. She won one, nine primetime Emmy nominations, won three. That's great career. Oh, also in the TV drama Sybil, she played the doctor who was treating Sybil. Yeah. Interesting. Probably probably one of her nine nominations, maybe one of her three wins. That's what made me think of it. So her mom loved movies and named her after Joan Crawford. Really? That's what Wikipedia said. She attended the premiere of Gone with the Wind when she was nine years old. What? It was in Atlanta. Yeah. And she rushed into the parade and she sat on the lap of what what what's the actress's Vivian Lee's partner at the time. So she sat in the lap of Lawrence of Olivier. In his lap. Oh. And then in 1977, she and him Did were in a... Did you just say Lawrence of Olivia? Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh. Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> but what... I know, but now every time I see Lawrence Olivier, <laughs> I say Lawrence of Olivier. Okay, okay. That's a total error. Yeah, thing. I think it's funny. It makes me laugh. It I mean, is funny. I was like, I wonder if she's going to catch it. Lawrence of Olivier. <sighs> yeah, she sat in Lawrence of Olivier's lap. <laughs> Now when you see, whenever you see Lawrence Olivier, you're always going to say Lawrence of Olivier. Yes, I will. Yeah. And so they were together in a 1977 TV production called Come Back Little Sheba. And in rehearsals, she mentioned the incident to him. And he said that he remembered. He lied. Well. Because at that point, his brain was fried. And he... Was Lawrence of Olivier? So he was he's Lawrence a of Olivier. Fantastic so. actor. He, you know, but maybe he did remember. He might have remembered. And I was like, that. what the hell is this little girl doing on my lap? So security. And she better not pee on my lap. Security. Um, and so, um, I was reading a bit, and then it kind of felt how I felt about the movie. So this Nan Nanali Johnson mm-hmm. wasn't a wasn't a tour de force director. Wasn't a great I didn't director. Think so. Yeah. It was shot in Cinemascope. So why? For uh such an intimate it's an intimate story about a person who has multiple personalities and you're shooting it on a wide vista canvas. And you'll notice there's a lot of wide shots. There's not too many close-ups, which is, are you just being a contrarian at this point? Because you're telling a story <laughs> about somebody. I I feel like there should be have been more of an intimacy to the telling of this story, and it was told from very far away, which just, I mean, that's how much heavy lifting Joanne Woodward had to do because she wasn't yeah. getting that many close-ups. She had to. She was. That's true. Like you're asking a lot, Mr. Johnson. Which, and then I wonder, maybe we're actresses. Like, who's directing? <laughs> oh, no, we're good. Yeah, because I had never heard that name before, and it's an odd name. But he was. He was known for being a good writer. Like he was. You know. Oh. He wrote the Dirty Dozen and stuff. I kind of feel like 
That's exactly how in the 50s people dealt with mental illness, though, even though it said it, you know. It was very waspy. It was a very waspy film, just at hand, arm's length. Yes, it was at arm's length. Everything was, I'm not getting too close to this because I might catch it. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it was because I was like, what is it? Because I and then I was like, but I really liked. Like just how it was shot. And I remember specifically when. Uh, I don't know which personality of Eve it is that's playing that has the ball and she's tossing it to the daughter and the yes. ball rolls under. But how she's sitting there and how the steps come in and just how it's framed and everything. I was like, yeah, I've really enjoyed how this has been the exposure of this and how it's been framed but there is something that i am it's gnawing at me and then when i read like that kind of article the person kind of said like yeah notice there's not a lot of close-ups in this yeah i was like ah yes that's true there was a very standoffish 1950s waspiness to it yeah and you know no black people at all so no good god I mean, can you imagine if it, like that was the trauma that you experienced as a child <laughs> and you're yeah. like black in 1957 watching this movie? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Talk about white privilege. You get the privilege of having uh, this mental illness because you had to kiss your dead grandma. I had to I had to chop down my grandfather from a tree. Because he yeah. was hanging there from being lynched. What the hell? Yeah. So. Yeah. They're, okay, they're those not. are all of your tasty nuggets. Those are all my tasty nuggets. Uh, it wrapped up just too easily at the end. Um, everything was fine. Life is good. But that was the that was the fifties. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Joanne Woodward did an amazing job. And that is the three faces of Eve. Yeah, and you know what, Joan? Salute to you because I know that you had to put your career on hold to raise the children because Paul Newman had to go out to the locations and stuff, and you had to be a mom. Yep. And I know that's what happened. Yeah. Poor you because he came home to you most nights. I did read about that. There was talk that he had strayed a few times well he was paul newman can you imagine who's being offered like who isn't offering themselves to him men women and children everyone yeah okay so next week all right well i have to say you're probably not going to be enthusiastic about this pick because it's a long one oh I was going to go with the shorter one, but I'd already seen that movie. And this okay. movie I had not seen. Okay. So I opted to go with the movie that I had not seen. Okay. So today is Saturday. So Thursday of this week is the 75th anniversary of D-Day. And I was like, well, we got to do a World War II movie then. I'm currently in the middle of rewatching Band of Brothers. So I looked up and I was like, well, what are the best World War II movies? And all old Nanali 
he had done the Dirty Dozen, but I've seen the Dirty Dozen, and I'm sure yeah. we're going to do the Dirty Dozen at some point. Okay. But when I flip through, I was like, well, son of a bitch, this is the movie we're doing. Because what was, what was D-Day if it was not the longest day? Okay. Well, Poppy might even watch it with me. 1962, the longest day. It's Who it's do supposed we have in that. Oh, I think it's got. I I mean, this was like a, a a late epiphany from your girl. So I I just looked up to to see what the the date of it was. But let me let me look it up. The longest. I know I've seen. At least parts of it. Day. Movie. The longest day. 1962. Cast. Wow. Hang on to your butts, people. We got Sean Connery, John Wayne, Paul Anka, Henry Fonda, Richard Burton, Robert Mitchum, Red Buttons. Rod Steiger, Peter Lawford, Robert have, Wagner, Salminio, on it too. Roddy McDowell, Mel Ferrer, Ferrer, Ferrer George Segal, Fabian, John Wayne. Did you already say John? I Wayne? said John Wayne. Richard Burton. Yeah. Red buttons. Ma, I just said all these people. Were you not paying Mitchell? attention to me? Eddie Albert, the guy my dad saw in the in the elevator when he was an elevator operator. Oh, I didn't say Eddie Albert then. I said red buttons. Yeah. So I thought that that was a good to commemorate such a day. I mean, yeah. that's the that's Back big when time. we were the good guys. Remember when we were the good guys? Fabian? Holy crap. I said you you did not hear No, because a I word was looking it up myself. <laughs> so because I, I was gonna do the dirty dozen, but I was like, wait, the longest day, that is D-Day. It is D-Day. It is a three-hour long movie, so plan accordingly. Okay. Thank you for the heads up. I was on not, that. I was not when I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm gonna do it. Let me see how long. It is, and it was three hours, and I was like, am I going to still do it? But I got to. It was. I can do th a three-hour movie if they can storm the beaches of Normandy. That's right. If they can get off of those things with, the, with everything just coming at them. Yeah, I mean, talk okay. about your horror of horrors. Like, how I thought maybe you were going to do Saving Private Ryan because you did enjoy it. I mean, you did find that a uh, well-made film that it, it is yeah but that, i thought i thought it was too recent yeah i wanted i wanted what is i looked up what are the best world war ii films and yeah saving private ryan's on there but i'm like i've seen it what there yeah. has to be something that was older that i didn't see and so the guns of navarone weren't on that film wasn't on that film on that list but weren't the guns of Nav the, the guns of Navarone didn't have anything to do with D Day? No, no, it was World War Two, but not D Day. Yeah, I mean the bridge over the River Kwai was on it, and there were other movies that had to do with the Pacific Campaign. But I thought, 
I mean, this is D Day. Yeah. Mm. Yep. I was like, yep. and I was like, for the longest day, I think that is D Day. I think that's about D Day. Well done. So next week, we will have watched the longest day, and we will tell you about the first hour of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. We will recast it. Tell you our MVPs. Uh, there will probably be a substantial amount of me comparing and contrasting it to Band of Brothers. Probably, which is an okay thing because I loved me some Band of Brothers. I watched that. I probably watch it every year around Memorial Day. Well done, my sweet. I didn't. I don't think I did it last year, two years ago, because I watched the Ken Burns Vietnam War documentary. Yeah, around for memorial. <laughs> I watched it a whole Memorial Day weekend, and I was shook after that. Yeah, I was like, I can't even imagine having gone through it because I just watched ten hours of documentary footage, and I'm shook. I know. And now every time that I see a picture of the Vietnam War Memorial, I'm reduced to tears. Instantly, yes. I'm like, I know what that means. Yeah. Yes, and the rich got richer. Oh, they got so rich. Okay, well, so there you have it. Well, there you have it. This week of Gone with the Bushes is in the books or on the airways. Hmm. That's your stuff. We'll workshop it. <laughs> Okay, so thank you, listeners. There you go. (laughs) Bye-bye.